The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright and Will Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. <laughs> Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Potterhood Podcast Quarantine Edition. I'm Miko White. I'm Will Posman. And this is episode 20 of the quarantine series of the Potterhood. Jesus Christ, man, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing pretty good. What about you? I'm decent, fam. I'm decent. Can't complain. Trying to learn how to train this afro. I just found out yesterday that when you pick an afro, it should be wet. It should not be dry because you can mess up the hair like that. And um, yeah, I'm glad I learned that information. You know what I mean? Nice. I hope I haven't started on, uh, you know, messing anything up. But uh, so far, so good. Well, it looks great. And I'm also learning that information for the first time. <laughs> I bet. But yeah. your hair isn't, hasn't gotten that crazy throughout all this. No, uh, my dad cut it once. I just, I thought it'd be fun to just, the thing about quarantine is the stakes change for everything. Like you're not going to see people. You can take risks and try stuff. So I had a beard Mm -hmm. for a little bit, let my dad cut my hair. Uh, yeah, it's fine. It always grows the same. Eventually. You're a wild guy. I don't let anybody (laughs) mess around. Except my barber. My mom said uh, she wanted to help me with something with my hair as far as like clippers are concerned. And I was like, absolutely not. You don't trust your mom. I feel like. Yo, that's what she said, fam. That's what she said. I'm on her side because she cares about how you look more than a mom cares about how you look more than you even. She's not going to make you look bad. At worst, she's going to make you look like you bring an apple to your teacher on the first day of school. You might be 100 percent right. (laughs) And I considered that from the bottom of my heart and my better judgment overruled it. <laughs> I'm not with it. Don't touch my hair. You know what I'm saying? Got it. Certain, you need a professional. Yeah. Certain girls, when they would play in my head, first of all, that puts me to sleep. And second, when they would do it, <laughs> some like of them Samson. would like, oh, hundred percent. Some of them would like grab at my hair. And be like, oh yeah. Nice. Hair. I'm like, yo, just please stop doing that. You know what I mean? I was talking yeah. to certain people that wish, they wish your hair out. And I've talked way too much trash about people with receding hairlines for all that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that that actually works in your favor, though, because I think when girls do that, that's a test. It's like, how, how much does he like me? Does mm-hmm. he like me enough to let me mess with his hair? And if you yeah. play it the way of, like, no, my hair is the priority – then yeah. they then they immediately are like, oh, I got to earn. The, then they go, I want to be at a level in his life 
where I can fuck up his hair and he'll love me so much that he won't even say shit and it puts them on a trajectory towards earning your approval in that way. I hope to God you're right. <laughs> I hope that's the case. I bet it's you know worked though. I bet you yeah. every single time you told a girl she couldn't touch your hair, she liked you 10% more. You know what? I'm going to go back and get the um, Carfax on that. Yeah, find out. Yeah, I'm going to get the Carfax. They're all that. in quarantine. Everybody's bored. People will be delighted by that text. So, like, how did yeah. it make you feel when either that or they'll be like, you're a narcissist. I never thought about that once after it happened. <laughs> the most likely the latter on that one. I'm sure of it, but just for the sake of uh, the bet, yeah. I'm asking. Okay. All right, now, family, who we sorting up? Yeah, so when, when I said I was doing good, I mean, I'm trying to insulate myself from everything that's happening in mm-hmm. the world because, like, you know, the world is, is just trying to bring us down at this point. We just got to kind of stand tall from that. I mean, you know, you talked a little bit about your project that's coming out, which I think is perfectly named because oh, of – uh, of what everything that's going on around us is. And uh, in light of that, we're sorting Ruth Bader Ginsburg because she's not with us anymore. And it's just one more thing, one more 2020 thing. (laughs) If people couldn't, if people heard that click, that was the click of a lighter and necessary medication uh, being consumed. Hey fam, look. I'm putting Ruth Bader Ginsburg into, you know what? I'm conflicted. I'm so conflicted. Will, I'm going to let you go first on this one, and I'm going to handle the back end of it. Okay. I'm going to look up qualities of certain houses now just to. So my instincts are to put Ruth Bader Ginsburg into Hufflepuff because I think that uh, the different, like I think a lot of people go Gryffindor, but to me, the reason why she's a Hufflepuff is because she was comfortable channeling all of her energy into a system, like the Supreme Court justice system. She never really railed against like the system that she operated in. And I think like people underestimate the courage that Hufflepuffs are capable of. Like people just go, oh, if somebody's brave, that makes them a Gryffindor. But like, you know, we, I mean, we've shit on Cedric a bunch on this podcast, but right, he stands tall in the graveyard with Voldemort and all the Death Eaters across the way. Well, he doesn't know about them, but he, he would have stood tall regardless. He wasn't going to run. Like, when they're on the port key heading over that way, he's yeah. already strategizing, like, we're going to get each other's backs, like, all that mm-hmm. shit. I think the right. thing to me that separates Gryffindors and Hufflepuffs is a Gryffindor is more likely to abandon the system uh, in a time of crisis, and a Hufflepuff is going to double down on that system. And, you know, I think that Ruth Bader Ginsburg accurately identified like right now is the time of crisis and really she identified various crises throughout her time as a justice but she always tried to address them within her role as a justice right and she never really did some of the stuff that like some of the other prominent american lawyers in history have done in terms of 
calling America into question. Like she just kind of, she just kind of used her skill set to fix certain problems as they came up more so. I mean, I'm not an expert, but that's, that's what I would do. What about you? Okay. So for me, it's hard, right? Because there's a part of me that wants to put her in Ravenclaw because Ravenclaw says here, they're analytical, intelligent, logical, yet impractical, right? Absent-minded professor types. Now, I know a lot of people would say that, no, that's a crazy way to look at somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? But I guess that depends on how you look at the court that she was working for, right? I know the things that she fought for, but the Supreme Court is what defends our Constitution. And I think our Constitution is a very um, complicated document. You know what I mean? Especially what it means to um, certain folks and what some of the current language even still means to certain folks. Um, because of that and because even, even in her final moments, right? And it's one of the purest things somebody can do and it goes to show you how um, sad it is on whatever side they wouldn't honor this, but it's almost so idealistic that you would think after years being in the office that she was in and holding the position that she held, you would think she might've been too grizzled to think this could work with people like this when she requested that her seat be left vacant until the next president is elected. You get what I mean? Yeah, explain it a little further. So what I'm saying is the reason that I want to put her in Ravenclaw, right, is because right here, one of the ways they describe them is that they're logical yet impractical. Okay. And I, and I think that her request at the end is logical, right? But considering the people, unfortunately, that we're dealing with in this circumstance, it's impractical. Got it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And then the court itself, you know, the Supreme, the Supreme Court has done its own dirt, right? A hundred percent. They've upheld, and no matter what anyone's fought for, you know, majority rules, that court has upheld its own BS. You know, it's a complicated job to have. It's a complicated position to be in because it's a complicated court. Yeah. You know, it's the highest, it's the highest version of our justice system. If you consider our actual justice system, it's complicated. And I think that uh I, I hear what you're saying, and I think that uh in terms of her choice, her her like her statement being impractical it doesn't factor in like the uniqueness so she's even making that statement because we're in unique times she's going leave my seat open because we have the worst president ever and i don't want him to be the person who chooses who fills it but she's not factoring in that this president uh so heartless yeah, and no matter what he does, he's not going to lose the support of his people. So that gives him a license to do whatever he wants. Correct. So her making that statement is not going to affect anything because he's just going to ignore it. And the people that were going to ride with him are going to ride with him anyways. And because, they're going to be there anyway. Yeah, they've given him a blank check. I mean, it's kind of like 
it's like uh, gang logic a little bit. It's like, that's our guy. We're going with them no matter what. And then on the other side of it, the people that were going to go, you should respect Ruth Bader Ginsburg's wishes. The people that would be offended at Trump for not respecting Ruth Bader Ginsburg's wishes, those are the people that were going to vote against Trump from the beginning anyway. So Exactly. It's like there's no real shift. Exactly. I think that's, I mean, that's, you know what? That's part of all of this. Yeah. That's why I thought Hufflepuff initially, because to me, there's something so Hufflepuff-ish about somebody being beloved by like that Brooklyn liberal community. Like you see murals on the wall, on like walls and stuff of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, where they put like the biggie crown on her. She's basically like the patron saint of gentrifiers, but you know, for some of the right reasons too, like they respect good qualities in her and stuff. But like, if you look at, you know, Puffs is like one of the, she a hundred percent deserves all of the respect that she gets. Exactly. The same way that like, Puffs is the biggest off-Broadway play to come out in New York that I can remember, which is uh, the uh, the off-Broadway play about Hufflepuffs during the uh, the Wizarding War, and right. those Brooklyn people love Hufflepuffs for some of the admirable qualities about Hufflepuffs, but similarly, you know, sometimes they confuse Hufflepuff qualities with Gryffindor qualities or with Ravenclaw qualities. But I think that you made a, a really good case for her as a Ravenclaw too. Yeah, dog. I'm, I, I, that's because the first thing I thought about, and it made, it made me kind of sad, the fact that such a request, which should be very simple, is thought to be naive because of what's going on right now. Now, the, one, the other Ravenclaw-ish aspect of this Mm-hmm. Is that if history, if history breaks a certain way, mm-hmm. Trump is real. I mean, Trump already looks like a piece of shit. Like, I don't think people on both sides of this election campaign understand that whether Trump gets reelected and America continues to slide, or if Trump's a one-term president and America makes a statement that they don't want Trump anymore, either way. 50 years from now, Trump is viewed as a piece of shit. And this is just another thing where people are going to go, can you believe that on her deathbed, a American Supreme Court justice who served for 30, 40 years and died of cancer and like, can you believe Trump didn't honor her, her dying request? But it's just another reason why he's going to be viewed as a piece of shit. You know, probably within... I'd say within 10 years of him no longer being the president, he's going to be viewed as a historic piece of shit. Um, I, I mean, yeah. my, my word, fam. Again, it's one, it's one of those things where when you think about it and you know that it's not going to change any minds, what have we become? Yeah. Well, it's like he's the new George Wallace, not the great comedian who I love, but the piece of shit governor. George Wallace, and uh, it's just like if you if you watch let's let's save that for the end. Save that for the end. Let's save that for the end because we get started now. We ain't gonna stop. (laughs) Okay, cool. I'm gonna put a pin in that. All right, let's let's talk. I mean, we we touched on the the election. Let's talk about. Do you want to introduce the uh, the message you got? I really liked it. I thought 
that the the person who sent it to us it was like really smart well written right in our wheelhouse and like a really interesting uh like a really interesting question and i mean it's long but i think it's actually worth reading the whole thing pull it up right now so she said I love to hear you in the Podhood podcast talk about the theory that if Biden wins, we all fall back into the same cycle and no real change is had. After listening, after listening to um, nice white parents about the NYC school system, it explains how white parents are pacified by small change and aren't uncomfortable enough to attush it. I don't know how Dust, to say this word. Dustly force. <laughs> so a force change for everyone. Would Biden keep the nation lulled and think racism is fixed? Is it enough of a, quote, win? The support for BLM drops off and people stop learning how to dismantle the system? To tie into Harry Potter, maybe this is why Dumbledore let things go so wrong and sacrificed Harry and his generation's comfortability so the greater wizarding community at large would have awareness and motivation to make true change. Okay. Do you want, you want me to jump in first or you, uh, please. Okay. So, um, I think that the one thing that we, uh, we sometimes make the mistake of, first of all, I love this question. I think there's so many different, parts of it and all of them are interesting and so rare that somebody writes like a multifaceted question and you want to answer all the parts but 100 percent. so a quick shout out to alice g3 ho thank you uh so the first thing is that sometimes in certain contexts we compare ourselves to the wizards in the world yeah. of harry potter and we're not because we don't empower ourselves so right now we're like we're looking at it like we're Gryffindor and Slytherin, but we're really not. It's really like the Death Eaters and the Giants and Muggles and House Elves and all the disenfranchised groups. Because, like, I mean, who's a like who's Dumbledore? So if Bill Gates is Dumbledore, Dumbledore doesn't give a fuck about us. Like, Dumbledore. I mean, Dumbledore is like in the books dumbledore is not fighting for the status quo dumbledore is fighting to move the society forward but the elites of our society are fighting for the status quo so yeah biden represents a victory for the status quo which is only a good thing because the alternative is so bad um but yeah. the one really good thing to me about biden winning would be that it would give everybody like if you look at um like on one side antifa and then on the other side you got like the trump army yeah biden winning isn't a win for either group which would give both of those chances it's like sometimes you see two people fighting sometimes they just got to get separated for three minutes by their friends or whatever and they realize you know what? I really didn't like punching the other, like getting punched in the face and yeah. they'll just chill. And that's what we need to do right now is fucking chill because, but if those people keep just punching at each other, they're just going to keep punching until somebody's dead. So yeah. that's to me that he's like five metaphors in that answer. But uh, 
Yeah, I think we're the Giants right now. Like, we have all of this capacity, but we've been fucked with for so long, and we just want to break things, but really the solution is to just put our faith in better wizards and witches. I, and I think that we're the, um, gee, it's so many, it's so many things that we could be right now, right? I think um, Biden wins, and it's like, Who's the guy that took over the ministry after Cornelius got kicked out? Uh, Scridgemore. Whoever wrote the will. Whoever bought the will around. That was him? Scridgemore was the one who died during the wedding. During the wedding, right. But he yeah. gave them he gave them everything from Dumbledore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dumbledore's will. Yep. Perfect. Yep. Yep. So Scrimgeour, that's who we'll have in office, right? Yeah. Because what happens is, because this person isn't really a change in anything, you make the Death Eaters go to the background. They go to the background. Yeah. Voldemort ain't in power. That's almost better. Oh, for they sure. Was gonna, they was going to do their dirt regardless. Yeah. You understand? Nothing's really being addressed. Because we'll go back to the same dumb rhetoric of, oh, Post-racial America. <laughs> Your ministry is strong. <laughs> They're literally the same thing, dog. Yeah. They're the no, same thing. Because none, a- of, none of this is organic. Yeah. None of it. Even on that other side, that's not even organic. Yeah, 100%. Everybody's voting to see the other to see the other team cry. <laughs> yeah, I think that. Uh, so I think like the Biden camp is comprom- is like comprised of two groups. You got mm-hmm. the people who just want things to go quote unquote back to normal. Which to answer that part of the question, norm what we consider normal is never happening again. Like mm-hmm. too many cats are out of the bag. It yeah. really is like the Trump army are like the giants and the. Antifa people are like the house elves where it's like mm-hmm. both groups have been fucked with for so long, but the giants joined Voldemort and the house elves were like, they joined Harry, but there is no Harry right now. Harry, Harry was Bernie. And if, I mean, Bernie was the closest thing to Harry. Bernie was Aberforth. Okay. He was more Aberforth. Yeah. Not yeah. Harry. And again, was, this is, this is the point. Maybe AOC (laughs) is the reason that we're losing, but no, even people like her don't even get to get seen. Yeah. We talk more about Mitch McConnell than AOC. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? There's no young voices that aren't entertainers. Yeah. They're even in politics. And part of that is because if you look at the system that Biden has thrived in, it's a system where you or you become a young politician, then you grow with a class of elites and billionaires, and then yeah. you're Mitch McConnell or you're Biden in your 70s, and you're kind of senile, you're way out of touch, but you have all of these billionaires on speed dial, and mm-hmm. if you're Mitch McConnell, you just leverage Meanwhile, that. you calling me on Facebook for a $10 super um, advance <laughs> for your yeah. funds? Nah, fam, I'm going to show up to the voting booth and do what I do, but I live in a blue state. Dude, if I hope it work out. You know how like people donated $14 million to the person opposing Mitch McConnell, who none of us know the name of, by the way, but mm-hmm. people donated all that money to that person. If that person doesn't win, 
nobody should donate to these politicians anymore. I mean, it's a bit of a scam. A bit? A bit of a scam? Bro, the president is only supposed to make $400,000 a year, right? None of them leave with a net worth of $1.6 million. Yeah. No, 100%. And when you alluded to the problems in the Supreme Court earlier, Mm -hmm. they could fix campaign finance reform tomorrow. Tomorrow. The only reason they don't is because all of them think they're good at playing that game. Like Mm -hmm. whether you like your congressman or whether you hate your congressman Mm -hmm. or congresswoman, uh, Mm -hmm. that person thinks that they are good at the game of getting donations and they have a fear in their back of their mind that if it were a completely level playing field, they would lose a local election to your neighbor or the mayor or somebody who might be really, really good at understanding what your community needs. And the sad thing is they should. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at at some of these guys, like, I don't know, like, you know, there's people in my family who are a big Cory Booker fans, but when, well, you know, you hear Cory Booker speak for a couple minutes and you go, Oh, this guy is really good at schmoozing. So this guy can only exist in a political system that rewards schmoozers. Right. And again, when we look at our political system, it's literally the Ministry of Magic, dog. I'm telling you, (laughs) it's like Harry's child. That's what these people look like to me. Nancy Pelosi is the one, you know, the lady that was in the, um, that was asking the questions in the movie. Like who, who, who votes for what? That's Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. The problem is Umbridge isn't moving. You ain't yeah. moving Umbridge. You're not moving. You're not moving um, Umbridge. You're not moving Voldemort's followers. Well, Umbridge is Mitch McConnell. Like Umbridge is the yes. Mitch McConnell. Like, oh, if you look at who Umbridge is, Umbridge is a person who's going to thrive in bureaucracy no matter how no matter evil what. the person in charge is. So yeah. Umbridge can kill it with Trump or with George W. Bush or McConnell or Obama, like Umbridge is going to be fine no matter what. And that's Mitch McConnell. Yeah. It's so the status quo. Maybe he should wear more pink. <laughs> yeah. Dude, but if he wore more pink, he'd look like Earthworm. You remember Earthworm Jim from uh, Cartoon Network or WB? Yes. He was just the Earthworm in a suit. That's Hilarious. what he looks like. <laughs> You're not wrong. Earthworm Jim. If somebody ever caught me that, I'd be very upset. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, if I had to sort us, like the people that are where our heads are, yeah. we're the folks reading the paper. You know what I'm saying? We're the folks reading the Daily Prophet and the Quibbler and all that garbage. Because yeah. nobody's acting on anything. Sure, we talk about it, but nobody's acting on anything. Yeah, Which and is, I think... We're sitting in a country led by somebody that lost a popular vote, Will. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, in, if you look at what the electoral is, it's just sophisticated. It's just like state level gerrymandering. And if you look yeah. at what gerrymandering is, it's just a system designed to make some votes worth less than others. Yep. And you ask yourself, why? Well, you know, so some people... So if we're going to be like, who's actually doing stuff in this scenario? Yeah. I mean, so who's like the Dumbledore that's really trying to affect things? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably somebody like. Now let's uh, think of the characters, bro. You got Dumbledore, Voldemort, yeah. uh, and you need a couple of these lieutenants. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. Run so wild. if I'm if I'm gonna go with, the, I mean, my first instinct for Dumbledore, and this feels mm-hmm. so stupid to say, but it's the first one that came to my head, is somebody mm-hmm. like LeBron that's taken an entire sports league that was mm-hmm. just a vehicle of entertainment and has wielded it like a political weapon and has started putting into practice the strategy of paying off people's fines so that they can vote. I don't know. I'm sure that people have done that before, but that's the most visibility I've ever seen with that strategy. And then you have like people like Bloomberg and other billionaires like doing the shit because LeBron made it cool. Yeah. Maybe even like Jay-Z because Jay-Z was probably the guy who got in LeBron's ear to even do that shit in the first place. I mean, right. not to take credit away from LeBron, like maybe LeBron's McGonagall and Jay-Z's Dumbledore. I mean, is Jay-Z, if Jay-Z is the closest thing our society has to Dumbledore, that's mm. not, that's not a problem on Jay-Z's end. That's a problem on our end. Like we need more leadership than just me, you know, the second best rapper of all time. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. Is Jay-Z the yeah. closest thing to a Dumbledore? Is there a – I really hope you can top that. I really hope Jay-Z's not the best chance. No, I would, no it's not an entertainer. An entertainer wouldn't be um, Dumbledore. Because you know I Jay-Z's would, putting on that Horcrux ring. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you let YouTube tell it. Um, Just to stun on cash money. Like, you ain't got a Horcrux ring. Pretty, Birdman's like, I got seven Horcruxes, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> And they all signed by the, uh, <laughs> they, they all signed by Lil Wayne against his will. <laughs> yeah, it's not even, it's not even parts of his soul. It's like Manny Fresh and Lil Wayne. Yeah. Yep. Are we editing this making out? fun of Cash Money. Birdman gonna pull up in this podcast. Huh? Yeah. No, Slim, Slim Williams is the one rap person that I have nightmares about. Yeah. All right. He gonna pull up on you. Um, I mean, there's a reason Master P hasn't been back to New Orleans. <laughs> you silly. <laughs> so now... All right. I'm trying to come up with an answer, right? Yeah. I ain't got one, dog. There's no Dumbledore. This is book six. There's no Dumbledore. Because you could say Obama, right? I, I can't make it a sports figure because none of the sports figures hold any weight in this conversation. Obama's good. Obama's I mean, good, but Obama again is a part of the system. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's is Obama Arthur Weasley. Obama is more like um, no, he's not like Arthur Weasley. Name somebody that works at the ministry that's good-ish, but kind of cowardly. Okay, so not Kingsley. Not Kingsley. Uh, Michelle Obama might be a um, more of a Kingsley type of character. You know yeah. what I mean? When she gets to be more robust in how she talks about what's going on. Well, Obama's actually more like Lupin, if I'm being honest. Okay. Yeah. Very, very useful and more than more than helpful. But he can't really be all the way in it. And he really does treat his angry side like it's a werewolf that nobody can ever see. That is to. perfect. I mean, Lupin's perfect. He has to. Because I mean, with the Obama, difference of a billion dollars, that's the one difference between Lupin and Obama. Well, yeah, and Obama can work. But again, Obama cannot come out where he has to say people of color. 
You know what I'm saying? As soon as he says black people, yeah. that could become an issue. And Michelle is like Tonks in a lot of ways, too. I think that's a, a really good approximation, too. Yes, that's actually perfect. Yeah. That's actually perfect. You know what I'm saying? Because the reason I picked Ken, the Kings and kind of character is because she's always very, very good in situations, in situations like this because she gets to be as honest as she wants to be. Yeah. Whereas Obama still, Barack still has to be diplomatic, president-like. <laughs> he still can't afford to slip. Yeah. So, and because of that, I think that gives like, and the reason I, uh, all right, so look, because this type of topic really gets to me. It can't be somebody like LeBron and Jay-Z because they would go to somebody like Obama for advice, right? Yeah. People like LeBron and even people like Jay-Z, when it comes to stuff like this, they're more, they're more like the students or the staff than Dumbledore. Yeah. Barack is a lot a lot more like Dumbledore actually. Actually now, yeah. I'm gonna make him the Dumbledore of this situation because he's directly involved with what's going on. He's a part of the system, no matter what he thinks, he's a part of the system. He's a part of the good and the bad of the system because he led and gave hope to a group within the system. That's what yeah. Dumbledore did what Dumbledore did with Order of the Phoenix. Gave that young group hope in times of crisis, and probably masqueraded to them like, look at how, look at how it seemed to be okay to make fun of the dark wizards at Hogwarts. You get what I mean? Yeah, that was just allowed. They got to pick on people like Snape. They got to pick on everybody. I mean, they're like you can make fun of Slytherin. I yeah. mean. <laughs> especially after book two, like there's no repercussions. You can, it, it did seem like also in book one, there's a little bit more of a respect for the Slytherin. And then yeah. after book three, it's like all the other houses are taking their cues from Gryffindor a lot more. So it's almost like yeah. Harry single-handedly, they shift the status of Slytherin. Slytherin goes from the top house. I mean, they're winning the house cup every year before Harry gets there. And then but even they before never that, they again. were doing that. Yeah. But they were even doing that before that, and they kept it up even to when McGonagall was, um, you know, put them. And I'm not saying that they were wrong. I'm just saying that that's what happened. Meanwhile, people in the order were getting popped left and right. And Dumbledore was into some weird stuff, considering he had deals with people like Snape. And, you know, it's war. How many others? Just yeah. like Obama has allies everywhere when lebron and all of them had a what i thought was a great idea in not playing obama had them go back to the games yeah well that's i mean that's there's definitely like a complicated thing yeah around it's, that. whatever it is something i don't understand yes i mean but basically you would go to a dumbledore kind of character yeah no a hundred percent i mean that that was very Dumbledore's when he did that. Uh, like how they decided to go back to the games. Yeah. I mean, basically, it was like the debate on one side of the messages in being heard and on the other side, them saying, well, if we 
stop playing, then we are out of the public eye and then our message really won't be heard. Yeah, it's so it's the complicated thing is that right now they chose the path of. No, you're right. You're I, as I'm saying it. You I can't see. be serious. See, I was hoping you were going to say something along the lines of they were going to be sued. I no, that's well, they, they definitely they definitely would have taken a lot of money out of their own pockets because the way the collective bargaining agreement works, they look mm-hmm. at the profits of the league and use that to determine the next year's salaries. But you, but the other flip side of that is that. But there's the no profit can, anyway. No, the well, the TV deal. They're still they're going to make uh-huh. a lot of money and stuff. But I mean, there's a great movie called High Flying Bird that's on Netflix that was made by, uh, I believe, David Fincher, one of the guys who made Social Network. Um, mm-hmm. And it's all about. It basically outlines how easy it would be, specifically for basketball players, to make their own league and own yeah. all of it. And well, I so, was about to say, yeah, can't yeah. can't they literally all pool their money together. And I'm talking about just like whatever you got to do to invest it, right? All the players in the league, nobody else. Yeah. And then start like your own channel. Quit yeah, the NBA, all of y'all. And we'll just they watch, we'll watch y'all. No, they, they easily could. The difficulty is that they would have to hire all the people to work for them. Instead of, think about it like this. Would you rather, I mean, we just saw it with Ellen DeGeneres and her show. Do you want to be the CEO of your show and Mm -hmm. be on the hook for if, you know, if a middle manager sexually harasses the person under them, do you want to be on the hook for all that stuff and have to hire the lawyers and hire the staff and hire security? Do you want to do all the hiring or do you want to be the paid talent? Like I always use the example of like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, he's or not Harry in Potter, charge. Or who would it be? Yeah, well, in in the okay, so in uh in the Harry Potter movies, look at Daniel Radcliffe. Daniel Radcliffe is the most high paid person and arguably the most powerful person on the set of any of those movies. But his only job is worrying about himself. He doesn't have to hire anybody. So it's right. that's the choice that they're making. Do you want to be? in charge do you want to be the producer or do you want to be the star and i want i want i want to do both only because yeah on my show i'm gonna have all automated employees so Mm -hmm. you can't say they did anything to you but but here's the thing so your show would probably have 20 employees if you had a tv show starring you your version of whatever yeah. has your version of Seinfeld has 20 employees, maybe 50 yeah. at most. The NBA yeah. has 7,000, 8,000 employees. So it's per just game. a lot more. Yeah. For the really probably per team is probably like 200, 300 employees per team. So mm-hmm. it's just a lot more people to have to worry about if the well, only we'll volunteer the first season, give yeah. y'all a year to get it together. Well, they really, I mean, so yeah, so they could do all this. at this point, bro, it's wild. Yeah. Um, well, so the one thing that they, I mean, basically what they did was they did like a organized, well, a kind of an unorganized work stoppage. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they were able to leverage their situation to get, like one thing is that they got billionaires to 
make the stadiums into polling places and government. Like they were able to do these things that yeah. will increase the ver- voter turnout. They mm-hmm. basically have flexed their muscles so that no no NBA owner at this point could donate to Trump or be in line with Republican candidates in general, and it would be tolerated. Like if a NBA that's owner, not a good thing. I guess, but it's it's. You get better. what I mean? Sure, it's not good, but it's better, right? Like because it's him. But our problem is, after it's him, we won't we won't go back and change that. You get what I'm saying? Maybe. And then, no, then you right. end up. You're right. You end up ostracizing the only group of people that's actually willing to do anything. That's a great point. Now you got a snake without its head, except this one ain't going to die. Well, I mean, if you look at you look at the wizarding world, how much good would Harry be able to do if he existed outside of the political system, but he had all the well, giants at his back, all the centaurs, all the mer people, all the house elves. Like he would have got that's who you want. He probably would have got killed a lot quicker. <laughs> Harry Luther King, yeah, probably. But you I, know mean, what I mean, because he would have been a he would have he would have lost. He would got drunk with power. That's what maybe. happened. When you get drunk and arrogant with power. I don't know. I mean, I was watching the John Lewis documentary, and they were talking about. Um, the basically what Martin Luther King was doing in terms of increasing voter turnout in right. Mississippi and Alabama and all that stuff. And like Martin Luther King was basically trying to do that was assembling yeah. a coalition of the downtrodden. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he ever got drunk with power, but I think if you don't get drunk with power, then you often get killed. They never let King get drunk with power. The reason why I say they didn't let him get drunk with power is because again, he died, right? No, I'm sorry. They yeah. murdered. They murdered him. They murdered him before yeah. he could really tell everybody what he had just saw. Because if you remember, I don't know if you noticed, there was a certain point where someone had asked Martin Luther King, "How do you feel about you know how you led your folks and whatnot?" He was like, "You know, I kind of feel like I led black people into a burning building." There was an epiphany that Martin Luther King had that he didn't. I didn't really know get that. Yeah, that he didn't really get a chance to expound on. You know, now can you, can I you think, expand on that a little? Because that's so interesting. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and I should relook at it again, but if I'm not mistaken, something in how um, I don't want to be wrong, so I'll refrain. But to my best memory, the way they teach his message after him kind of pacified. You know what I mean? A yeah. lot of folks, and it might have moved us in the wrong direction. You know what I'm saying? To where after stop, there's some people that said that in a lot of communities, because they just let us start to share the buses and start to share around transportation with white people, we drove a lot of our own businesses out of our own neighborhoods. Oh. Because we yeah. stopped going to those. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. oh, okay, so now we equal. It's like is that part of you that's going kind of, that's kind of rubbing it in their faces too? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how dare you treat me like I wasn't a person for so long? Yeah. Right? It's that weird thing. And now, then it gets confused with like, oh, this thing is quality and you forget about the one that you had. Yeah. So the businesses in those neighborhoods started to go down and stuff like that. It, Martin Luther King is a really polarizing figure if you look at his perception back then. 
you know what I mean, from the yeah. people that were around back then on both sides. It's actually something really interesting that I advise anyone that listens to the Potterhood to um, look into. But having said that, for me, I would say that the current Dumbledore would be Barack Obama because he's a leader that energized a lot of people during a certain time. However, just like Dumbledore, I think he's a part of the status quo because he knows the system. Yeah. Do you think that Dumbledore was... Hey, man, there's things that Obama doesn't say just like there's things Dumbledore didn't say. Well, that's true. I So I think that there is, like, Dumbledore aspects to him. I also do think there's a lot of Lupin aspects to him. I really like that parallel. Yeah, yeah. I think that the biggest... The weirdest thing about his situation is that he's not like you lose power when you're not the president anymore. Mm-hmm. And but you also gain perspective. Mm-hmm. So he's almost like the Dumbledore parts of him. It's almost like Dumbledore at platform nine and three quarters, like ah. so much he can't do yeah. that. You, you know, like, I mean, there's a speech at Stanford where. Bill Clinton talks about how much how he thinks it's so terrible that marijuana is illegal and all these people are going to jail for marijuana. And you go, oh, well, you were the That's president the man that put him in jail for it. Exactly. So you go, OK, so you signed all this stuff because you wanted to, you know, there's probably some deal like, hey, sign this thing for the prison industrial complex Mm -hmm. and we'll do this thing over here. That'll help the economy or whatever. So you're doing the, you have the regret now because now you see, look at how history looks at them. Right. And that's the play. George W. Bush is a hero now fam. And that's one of the biggest crimes to ever happen in the court of public opinion. No, 100%. I mean, there's a thing in the back of my mind, like conspiracy, the conspiracy part of my mind is like Trump was set up for Mm -hmm. this by the Bush family so that people Mm -hmm. will forget that George W. Bush should have been the worst president of anybody's lifetime. Yes. Like the things he did in regards to letting various American cities suffer Mm -hmm. in regards to declaring wars so that his friends' companies could try out their toys. Like, yeah, this shit the, is evil. The, the fact that we don't talk about, he literally destroyed so many of the people that we say we love so dear in our soldiers, right? But it, but it was Cheney. That's the thing with Bush is like, he was like a six-year-old trying to drive a car and Cheney. Hey, man, I blame that six-year-old for being in the car and I blame the people that was in there with him. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because if you run over my foot, your six year old was driving and he was 40 something. But he just, his big mistake was thinking that he ever could have been a good president. Like you just look at even little moments where he was reading the book on nine 11 and he Mm -hmm. wanted to finish the book. Like he just fundamentally didn't understand how to be president, but, uh, Oh, he's an idiot. Yeah. People are stupid dog. Yeah. Yeah, All right. go paint your fucking trees or whatever you're doing now. Like, yeah, it's embarrassing. Yeah, but he owes the American people an apology, and the American media owes us all an apology for what they he owes his record. The people of the world. I mean, the, he, he got a shoe thrown at him by a reporter, and the whole world was like, yeah, yeah. of course. He yeah. fucking deserved two shoes. Yeah. He deserved one of Kamala Harris's Timberlands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alleged uh. Timberlands. Okay, whoo, I'm glad that's connected to something. Anyhow, (laughs) 
ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for the 20th episode of the quarantine version of the Potterhood Podcast. Did we miss something, bro? Uh, we, I mean, we were going to talk, we were going to go into the weeds a little or the, uh, forbidden forest on, uh, on this fucking ruling about Brianna Taylor's killers and stuff. But, uh, let's talk about that on the Patreon. Yeah. Good idea. All right. So we'll, yeah. we'll meet up later this week and, and talk about that. And we this is a good this. tease we, for that. We could do this later tonight. Oh yeah. Let's do that. Cool. Yeah. I just got a show in, um, I got a show in Queens and then I should be back here by... What nine? Ten. Cool. Nine ten. Yeah. Cool. So let's if do Max that. is down, we can set up another one to do a Patreon episode. So let's do the outro here for this one. Great. Great. Yeah. Check check check, ladies and gentlemen. We want to thank you so much for listening to episode twenty of the quarantine version of the Potterhood Podcast. Please make sure you check out our next Patreon episode where we're discussing the verdict of. Um, the Brianna Taylor case and how Will, Max, and I feel about it. So we're just going to digest the information. The verdict came down not too long ago. Um, Max, where can they find you? They can find me on all social media at Max Marcus Comedy, and they should check out my new podcast, The Max Cast. Make sure y'all check out The Max Cast. Tell them the Potterhood sent you. Will, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Will Poznan. And I've seen people on Instagram have been saying really nice things about us and tagging us in the nice things. And please keep doing that. That makes me really uh, happy during these times. Yes, indeed. To know that the podcast is touching people, make sure y'all follow Will. And you can find me at Nico White 93 on Instagram. That's at N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E 93 on Instagram. I will be putting out a little special soon. I'm going to title it Dark Out. And I would hope that you all will give it a look when it's out. Dark Out or Dark Outside. I'm still trying to pick between the two. Y'all tell me which one y'all like better, okay? I don't know when this episode is going to be out to get your vote, but let me know. Do uh, um, one of those Instagram polls. Do like, uh, the, do like the Instagram poll where you have both choices and people can click on. You know what? That's a marvel idea, sir. I'm going to get on that. Because, see, I was trying to be secret that no, nobody don't know about it besides us on the part of hood and maybe two other folks. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, but if you if you um, listen to the part of hood, let me know what you think. Dark out or dark outside. Let me know. And outside of that, check out my second album, Marcellus, M-A-R-S-C-E-L-L-U-S, available on iTunes and anywhere albums can be streamed or listened to. And make sure you find the Potterhood on Patreon. Okay? We have our tiers. We have all our bonus episodes and all our um, new content that's going up on there is very, very deep. Like I said, we're going to be talking about the Breonna Taylor verdict. And um, we're going to talk for a while. So we'll bring you around. Bring coffee, dog. Bring coffee. <laughs> okay. At 9 p.m. tonight? Okay. Well, I'll yeah. do that. 10 p.m. tonight, most likely. But yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Potterhood Podcast. I'm Nico White. I'm Will Poston. On three, bro. One, two, three. Mischief Managed. Managed.